Hallelujah. We do that, O oh God. In our hearts, our minds, our spirits, we exalt thee. Be exalted in this place. Holy Spirit, do a work tonight in our hearts, we pray. Effect a change, O oh God. Soften us, Lord Jesus. Knock off the rough edges, we pray. Come, be at liberty in my heart, in my life, to have your way. Amen. Amen. Just, uh, it was a great song there. Um, Keith Green, Creating Me a Clean Heart. Um, I remember reading his book, No Compromise, when I was a young Christian. Uh, anybody read that? Oh, yep, No Compromise. He was a guy who just did not compromise with the gospel. Didn't compromise with his lifestyle. Just wonderful. You know, I'm, I'm delighted to be surrounded in this church by some beautiful people who refuse to compromise. A leadership team who do not compromise in speaking the truth from this platform. Regardless of opposition, regardless of what may come, to speak the truth in love. You know, there are, there are churches around the place, I'm glad we're not one of them, um, who have found themselves compromised. Remember during COVID, the, um, the uh, Bishop of uh, Newcastle had said that if anybody comes into his church who's not vaccinated, he's going to call the cops and dob them in immediately. We want to be a people who do not compromise with the love and with truth. And so I've got a difficult topic tonight. Um, I had a chat with uh, Pastor Darren, uh, the wider uh, um, ministry uh, network around uh, Nambor, uh, and even with ACC, uh, about whether we should have an information night on the referendum for The Voice. Um, many of them took a bit of a step backwards and went, ah, it's politics. Just let people do as they will. But you know what? It, this is above politics. Because this is a, a work uh, which is deep-rooted in the plan of the enemy uh, against the people of Australia, against the church. And so I've got to speak into it. Um, if your politics are different to mine, that's okay. Uh, Pastor Darren uh, often says in our leadership meetings, he always looks at me when he says it, I'm not sure why, but, <laughs> but he says, uh, we don't always have to agree, but we have to agree, disagree agreeably. Disagree agreeably. Thank you, Tara. You've heard your dad say that <laughs> many, many times. And so if you disagree, then disagree agreeably. Is that okay? Okay. Let me uh, make a start. Just pop up the first slide. I want to speak tonight on this subject. Whose voice are you listening to? Whose voice are you listening to? Uh, John 10, verse 3 to 5, says, The sheep hear his voice, Jesus' voice, the voice of the shepherd. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, 
for they do not know the voice of strangers. So Jesus has this analogy of a shepherd uh, and the sheep. It's a beautiful analogy. He calls his sheep by name. And they know the voice of the shepherd. But the stranger they do not follow. Jesus uh, said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Isn't that just wonderful? If you've got to memorize one verse in the Bible, it's a pretty good one. We are chosen. We're the chosen ones. You know, the rebellion of man against God uh, led to uh, death and separation from God. Uh, But he has decided uh, to send his son to die in our place, to represent us on the cross. And he chooses us by name. He chooses us. You know, um, there's, there's lots of religions out there. Uh, some of them have similarities to Christianity. Uh, some of them are a bit different. But there's only one, really, that says this. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, we didn't study uh, the world's religions, I don't think any of us here tonight, and, and decided, you know what, out of all the world's religions, out of all the world's philosophies, out of all the world's ideologies, I'm going to choose Christianity. It didn't happen that way. Jesus sought you out. He's a lover of our soul. He came and he agitated your breast to his wooing, to his courtship, to the love of God. And as you yielded to him, and confessed your sin. He came and dwell, dwells within you by his Holy Spirit. He, he has chosen you. The sheep know the voice of the shepherd. You know what, with all of those world's religions, there's really, there's really only two religions. There is man's word and there is God's word. All the other religions we can name go into the man's word category. There's only really two. There's only really two choices in life. Uh, One leads to eternal damnation. One leads to everlasting life with him. There's no neutral territory. We can't hide in no man's land. There is only those two choices. I'm going to speak uh, tonight about a few topics. One of them is subjective truth. Um, Let me just pop the next slide up for me, please. Thank you so much. Um, Isaiah, thousands of years ago, uh, gave this prophecy. Uh, Let's see if it has uh, a ring of truth uh, about it today. Justice is turned back, and righteousness stands far away. For truth has stumbled in the public squares, and uprightness cannot enter. Truth is lacking. And he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Oh, that last bit's for us, I think. He who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Don't know if you're feeling that at the moment. Do you feel that if you're under attack by the enemy? If you are, well, rejoice, actually, because you're probably departing from evil. (laughs) So surely we are experiencing this prophecy unfolding in this nation, indeed around the world. What we're experiencing in Australia is not uncommon. 
uh, to many nations around the world. Uh, this is a joined up, intelligent, evil plan, sowing a great deception uh, throughout the whole earth, that truth is subjective. Started in the Garden of Eden, and he's active to try to accomplish his objective today. Uh, I had to look up the definition of subjective, um, and so let me offer that to you, <laughs> in case, like me, you're just a little bit um, uh, uncertain. It's that which is based on or influenced by personal feelings, tastes, or opinions. If I think and feel that I am a wardrobe, then that's my truth. Might come out the closet. Maybe, maybe that's not a good joke. It's not a good joke. Worse than that, worse than that. The perpetrators of this antichrist ideology, who have influential power over governments, over education systems, medical institutions, the media, they propagate a falsehood that someone's subjective truth, that they think they are a wardrobe, must be accepted by everyone as absolute truth. Do you find that? Would that be a, true, a truism? today. Now, if you follow the natural, logical conclusion of this ideology, it leads civilization into chaos. You see, the fact of the matter is deep down, you know, and I know that I am not actually a wardrobe. But you have to conform to a societal norm of accepting that I am what I say I am. Otherwise, you are excluded from society for not being inclusive. It's a society where presently we're being told to believe the signs. Amusing. Uh, because we, in fact, must ignore everything we know about science at this present moment. Science tells us that a wardrobe is not a living, breathing, organic being with feelings. But when we tell someone that they're not a wardrobe, suddenly we hurt the wardrobe's feelings. And then we're vilified in the public square on social media. Um, if the misinformation bill gets up, we will be taken through the courts and sentenced to jail. Some good news. Uh, New South Wales has pushed back uh, in the last number of days regarding the misinformation bill, I believe. A few people nodding in agreement. Uh, so praise God, prayer works, keep praying, prayer warriors against this evil uh, that is upon us. If we lose truth, we lose civilization. If we reject truth from society, we reject God. This global movement is Marxist at best, it's satanic at worst. The devil has turned the concept of love into unconditional tolerance and acceptance. Um, according to Professor of Cultural Analysis, a guy called George Barna, quite a bright chap, uh, he says only 2% of people today have a biblical worldview. Oh, there are very many more who talk about a Christian worldview. But their understanding of Christian is just being a good person. But what is their understanding of good? Remember 
Someone went to Jesus and spoke about this and says, a good teacher. And Jesus says, why do you call me good? What is the measure of goodness that you have? Well, we all have a different measure. There's no absolute in that except in the personhood of Christ. Many people's view of goodness is this uh, synchronistic uh, worldview, emerging like cogs in a wheel coming together, uh, emerging of all the arbitrarily kind of bits of the world's religions, merging them into uh, one uh, form. Includes New Age, mysticism, occultism, and so on. I mentioned from the platform just a short while ago uh, that there are people who want to have an AI uh, Bible, a, a Bible written by robots, a chat GPT Bible, uh, which will be a new religion uh, in opposition or an overthrow of the Bible. Let's talk about identity. People today get their identity not from the absolute truth that he who is the truth, but from a mishmash of religious ideology, philosophy, culture. Their identity is not coming from an understanding of uh, the fact that they were created by Almighty God. They, have a, they don't have a sense of, as we do, that in Him we live and breathe and we have our being. That's the culture of the kingdom of light. But they derive their culture from another kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, a worldly culture, where people get their identity not from who they are in God, but what they presently feel from their circumstances and the situation they are in. Uh, do you remember Pastor Darren? Yeah, he's not been away that long. <laughs> Telling me God a few days. Yeah. Um, the other week, he preached on the generations, if you remember that. He talked about the 1920s to the 1940s being the silent years. Uh, well, I was born a, a lot later than that, but my parents were from that era, so they brought me up with that kind of mindset of children should be seen and not heard, and not seen very often either, to boot. Um, but in a few short generations, that's been turned on its head. We now have this millennial generation um, where they believe that the world revolves around them, and other people have no value unless they value them. This situation has been the compost uh, in recent time for virtue signaling movements, um, Black Lives Matter movement, LGBT plus uh, movement, identity politics, and many more. It's at the center of much of the politicking we see at present, where there are people on TV falling over themselves to say, I love aboriginals more than you do or I love black people more than you do, or I love gay people or trans people more than you do. It's a virg virtue signaling world that we are in. You know, uh, during the Black Lives Matter rallies and the um, riots, uh, particularly in the States, but some here, also down in uh, Melbourne, there were people who were attacked uh, for holding up signs that said, all lives matter. What a perverse world we are now in, where that becomes something which would provoke violence by people who are holding up another sign that says Black Lives Matter. So if you fail today to affirm someone's choice of sexuality or gender change, then you will be vilified. 
is an ideology that says, I am the most valuable person in the world. And I will only give you value when you recognize that and value me. It's a self-centered world we are now in. I'll just pop the, uh, the next slide up, thanks. But the Bible says this. While we were still far off, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He loved and valued us even while we were in rebellion, when we rejected him. Love is not conditional, but subjective truth is only true if it matches identically with the absolute of truth. Justice is only justice if it is held in the tension of truth. We are not at liberty to bend the meaning of love to encompass subjective truth and subjective justice. Love cannot be unconditional tolerance and acceptance because it would transgress the absolutes of truth and justice. People say, oh, uh, look, I don't believe because a God who sends people to hell is not loving. I get that on the streets. I'm sure Cindy's got that on the streets a few times when she's uh, witnessed uh, for Christ. A God who sends people to hell is not a loving God. I say a God who sends people to hell for sinning and rebelling against their creator is a just God. And at the same time, a God who came down and hung and died on a cross for that sinner to pay their debt so that they avoid hell is a loving God. So why is there these minority groups today? Why have they suddenly risen up and got great traction? Well, one of the reasons, I think, is that people have lost their sense of purpose. Um, a couple of generations ago, the Bible was taught in schools. The Ten Commandments was on the wall. There was prayer in the schools. There was prayer uh, in Parliament. A little wind just the other day, I think, South Australia, now bringing prayer back into Parliament. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Keep praying. Prayer warriors, keep praying. Grace was said before a meal. I remember five, six, seven years of age. Uh, standing up before I could eat my slop at school. Did you do that? <laughs> uh, I can't quite remember what the, the prayer was. Um, thank you for the food we eat. Thank you for the world so sweet. Thank you for the food we eat. Thank you for the birds that sing. Thank you, God, for everything. I am going back more than 50 years, <laughs> so thanks for your help. But that was commonplace, um, and then suddenly it stopped. Today, people uh, are struggling to find purpose in their life. And the mindset is, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. The problem with that hedonistic lifestyle is we're living for the moment. There's no purpose in that life. So what is leading today's people, particularly young people, to suffer with anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts? Uh, the graphs are going like this. And the Bible says, where there is no prophetic vision or revelation from God, the people cast off restraint or perish. 
God knows what we need, and what we need is God. George Barna also says that millennials today have one primary goal, and that is, any idea? Maximum happiness. How many times do we hear parents uh, say, I just want my children to be happy? Just want them to be happy. Very few parents ever say, I just want my children to be good. Happiness cannot be your goal in life. Cannot be. Your goal may bring you happiness, but it cannot be your goal. Rather, the Bible says, be filled with joy. Happiness is transient. It's dependent on situations, on circumstances. It's dependent on the feelings in the moment. But joy is lasting. Joy is predicated on the fact that we are children of God. The Apostle Paul knew all about that um, through his many trials and floggings and imprisonments. He said they can kill the body, but they cannot kill the soul. And so he sings praises to God at midnight uh, with his back flayed. Right, next slide, please. Thanks, Tina. Uh, so let me ask you again. Whose voice are you listening to? I just flick on to the next one with the giant magnet. <coughs> I always find that's an attraction. Um, thank you. Thank you. Someone's awake in the back. <laughs> um, I'm often funny on stage, but actually it's a bit of a serious message. The average Australian spends um, two hours per day on social media. Are you average? You're below average? You're above average? Not going to ask. Two hours a day on social media and two and a half hours on the TV. If you add that up, times seven, 31 and a half hours per week on media. Whew. I'd just like my, 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 my son to work that much in a week. Now, uh, we might spend one and a half hours in a week coming to church. Who was here this morning? You spent three hours coming to church. Uh, so if we have three hours a week in church, uh, maybe we come to a prayer meeting in the week. That would be four. Mm, a connect group, maybe five and a half. Uh, what about 20 minutes of, of quiet time in the morning? Well, that would take you up to about eight hours in the week compared to 31 and a half hours on social media. So where are we getting our worldview from? Whose voice are we listening to? Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Jesus always came against Satan with the word of God. Similarly, we as believers must have an understanding of what the Bible says about how we ought to live our life. What does righteousness look like? What is godly governance? How should we treat our neighbor? What does God say about money, relationships, sex, sexuality, marriage, parenting, and so on? The Bible is not just a blueprint for our lives. It's also how we should function as a society. God didn't just create us to live in a cave and read the Bible. He calls us to be a light on a hill. He calls us to be the salt of the earth to go into all the world to preach the good news. We are to be in the world, but not of the world. So how are we to know 
whether the present society and present culture needs changing. Well, where do we get our news from? And can we believe it? I'm going to go on a very short uh, history tour. If you pop the next slide up, please, uh, Tina. Throughout biblical times, God's word has been communicated through oral uh, communication, through stories, through plays, through the written word, and so on. Um, and would you believe that the newspaper, it's actually going out of fashion a wee bit now, but the newspaper uh, originated over 2,000 years ago. Um, the earliest known journalistic product was a news sheet, a bit like this one, um, which uh, was circulated in ancient Rome. It was called the Acta Diurna. Act, acts, or events, diurna, daily. So daily acts, so daily events. The daily rag in Rome, uh, dating from about 59 BC. And it had um, uh, documentation of speeches and important events that were happening in and around Rome. Made from stone. This one was um, chiseled out of stone. Um, <laughs> if, uh, yeah, if you were a journalist in those days, that would be hard work, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, and it was placed on a whiteboard for everyone to see. The whiteboard was called an album. That's where we get the word album, like a photo album or whatever. And it constituted the public here et propaganda. Anybody do Latin at school? Looking to my learner friends. I was forced to do Latin at school. Um, that's just why I am the way I am. <laughs> Um, and so it, it, that's where we get the word propaganda. Public air et propaganda. The news has always been biased. The first printed newspapers came into being about the 1400s, and of course we get the word press from the printing press. The philosopher and scientist Noam Chomsky said this, this is so important, whoever controls the media controls the mind. Whoever controls the media controls the mind. And the degree to which your mind is being controlled will depend upon the amount of time you spend consuming media. Average Aussie, about 31 and a half hours every week. Brainwashing, uh, according to the Cambridge Dictionary, is a process of influencing opinions through repetition. It's how we teach our children, repetition. How many times over the last three years have you heard politicians, chief medical officers say, just get the jab, just get the jab, get the jab, just get the jab, get the jab. Or we're following the signs. We're following the signs. Never showed you any signs, but apparently we were following the signs. Repetition, brainwashing. Propaganda is brainwashing. Uh, the grandmaster of uh, brainwashing was a fella called Edward Bernays. Um, Bernays once said, I decided that if you could use propaganda for war, then you can use it for peace. Uh, but because of the war effort in Germany, he had to kind of use a different term because propaganda had bad connotations. So he promoted the new term, which we know today, called public relations. Anybody in public relations? Propaganda relations? Uh, here's a statement uh, which is not biblical. I'm going to say it anyway. I believe... Journalism is all but dead. True journalism is all but dead. News media, uh, sorry, uh, there's, a, there's a new term on the street uh, for a journalist. It's called a journalist. Have you heard of that? A journalist, because they just churn out stuff uh, from the media farm. They don't do much digging. They don't do much investigation. They're not really determined to get to the truth of a story. They just go on the content farm, chat GPT, Write me this article on this. 
large swathes of our news media today are owned um, in part by a couple of major companies. One of them is BlackRock, one of them is Vanguard. They manage some 15 trillion Australian dollars. 15 trillion, two companies. These two companies have a vested interest in propagating a particular narrative. They've invested heavily uh, across the board. They've invested in um, uh, armaments and weaponry, manufacture, and pharmaceuticals, finance, banking, renewable energy, and news media. If that was you and you own these companies, would it not be in your financial interest to propagate a narrative that benefits you? If you own a weapons factory, would you not propagate a narrative that says, we have to give weapons to Ukraine to help in their fight for democracy. I don't know if you understand, but Ukraine is one of the most corrupt countries in the world. It's a far way from being a democratic country. If you own the pharmaceutical industry and have an invested interest in the top medical institutions, would you not propagate a narrative on TV that COVID is extremely dangerous? Even though it's similar to flu, very many people die of flu every year. We say nothing about it. Would you not get your medical institutions to model COVID deaths in a greatly exaggerated fashion to drive up the fear and sell more shots? In fact, looking at the modeling, only 10% of the models came within 10% of the truth. If you own the banks, would you not close down cash so that your profits increase with card use? Would you not develop a one-world banking system, eat up all the competition? Anybody been into a bank recently that can't get cash? Yeah? What about climate change? Can you pop the next slide up, please? Thanks, Tim. I'm getting through them all tonight. I thought I'd have. Hallelujah. There we go. How can you get the world to switch to renewable energy? Unless, like COVID or war in Ukraine, you create a crisis, you cause great fear-mongering. Now, the climate always fluctuates. Ever since the fall, it's my belief that paradise had a perfect climate. Uh, but the fall altered that. And now all creation is groaning. Um, if you remember the flood of Noah... Uh, that the fountains of the deep opened up. The water came from heaven and water came from the earth. The climate changed. So it's always been fluctuating. And it seems of late the world's getting a little warmer. But not dangerously so. You see, it depends where you are measuring from. Now you can make a true statement that the climate ha has increased by 1.5 degrees Celsius in the last 150 years and we're reaching a tipping point. Now, that sounds quite alarmist, and it's meant to, but it depends where you're measuring from. If you go back a wee bit further into medieval days, uh, then it's actually four degrees Celsius cooler now than it was then. So we've had a little uptick of late, but we're still nowhere near where it used to be. How long before the Industrial Revolution? Maybe a thousand years before fossil fuels? But apparently, Industrialization and the modern use of fossil fuels are to blame. 
I just find it's perverse and I have to say, even though it's not my notes, that a wonderful government who are trying to get to net zero think it's okay to dig coal out of the ground and not burn it here. How dare we? Because we want to be net zero. So we put it on a ship, a diesel ship, we sail it all the way to China and we sell it to the Chinese who obviously bury it in the ground so that no one ever uses it. Yeah. Okay, moving on. I said I wouldn't talk politics. I, please forgive me. Uh, there are so-called scientists who believe we need to change the parlor habits of cows. The parlor habits. I thought it was better than the F word, you know. Or as my wonderful um, uh, youth leader calls it, body popping. Which I quite thought was quite sweet. But look, if you only teach climate change through the lens of the last 150 years of wide-scale industrialization with the object of demonizing fossil fuels, extolling the virtues of the green energy, which is, as I'm sure all of you know, far from green, you get a corrupted and an inaccurate picture. Okay, time for education. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like young David with a sling and a, and a few round stones tonight. The education system is teaching evolution and secularism. Has done for quite a while. It's the wrong foundation. If it taught a biblical worldview, then children today would not be terrified of climate change. Wouldn't be losing sleep. They wouldn't be going around the world saying, you have stolen my childhood on TV. How very dare you. If they were taught a biblical worldview, they would know, yes, a time is coming when God will make a new heaven and a new earth. But some things happened before that. We have a rapture. We have a tribulation. How long is that? Seven years. Okay, and then we have the second coming of Christ and the millennial rule of Christ on earth with the saints. Uh, how long is a millennial? A thousand years plus... A it's at least a thousand and seven years, my reckoning, probably more with some scholars in the house, before there's a new earth that God makes. We're in no immediate danger from a biblical viewpoint. If you look at man's viewpoint, an alarmist viewpoint, a viewpoint predicated on fear, alarmism, in order to generate wealth and power, you might come to a different conclusion. Doctors are taught that cancer is genetic. But critical thinking doctors who have stepped away from the brainwashing realize it's not. It grows because of what we feed it, largely glucose. Cancer is something that is just not prevalent in some African tribes and some people groups who don't have a westernized diet. But hey, if we told people that, change your diet, we're going to lose a very lucrative cancer treatment industry. We can't afford to do that. From the 1930s to the 1950s, patients were prescribed cigarettes by doctors. Why? Well, because the tobacco manufacturers hired throat doctors to explain that dust, germs, and the lack of menthol were to blame when it came to illnesses of menthol and cigarettes. 
it wasn't cigarettes that were causing the issues. In fact, they believed that cigarettes were not harmful at all. Well, that was great for profits. People will believe just about anything if it comes from an authoritative source and it's repeated often enough. It's one of the um, uh, things we get trained in in the military when it comes to interrogation. Uh, the kids, and this is a sad fact, the kids who were born in the 60s, where there was the Bible and prayer, becoming excluded from the uh, classroom, who were taught a secular education. Remember only two religions, man's word, God's word. Well, these kids, guess what? They're now the top doctors. They're the top military personnel, the top politicians, the top economists, the top bankers. They head up the World Economic Forum. They head up the United Nations. They are the CEOs of the TV news channels and newspapers. And this group of poor people have been brainwashed into believing a propaganda narrative built upon sand and not upon the rock of truth. They've become extremely powerful and influential in creating what is accepted today as a post Christian global society. Okay, strap in. Here we go. Next slide, please. Anyone want to comment? <laughs> that must be my wife. Um, um, the voice of Parliament, in my view, is simply another fiery dart of the enemy aimed to destroy God's creation by creating division and chaos. We cannot allow this nation to be divided over race. You see what it's, uh, what it's done to South Africa over the years? We can't allow it where one race has more rights than another race. But then you probably know it's not really about giving Aboriginals a voice. They have the same voice as you and I. You get one vote, I get one vote, you get one vote, you get one vote. There's um, a greater representation of Aboriginals per head of population than there is over non-Indigenous people. There are some 3,000 government-paid working groups for Aboriginals. There's a disproportionate amount of the fiscal budget spent on Indigenous people. $40 billion a year for 3% of the population. It's my belief that Aboriginal people um, are loved and well cared for in this nation. I have some friends and colleagues uh, who are Aboriginal um, who are voting no for sure. They see through this stuff. But the activists, and this is the issue, it's not Aboriginal people, it's the activists. Some of them are Aboriginal, some not. But the activists cry for reparation. For what? To buy stuff? To buy stuff that they wouldn't have if there hadn't been colonization? Reparation cannot lead to forgiveness. True forgiveness comes from one who has been wronged choosing to cancel the debt. If we want one nation, we must go down the road, the biblical view of forgiveness, not reparation. It's just another move from the Antichrist spirit uh, prevalent in our nation today. 
The global elitists want to displace people from their homes, from their land, a land grab, if you will, herding them into totalitarian, controlled, smart cities. The net is closing in. A yes vote, in my view, is a vote against equality. It's a vote against democracy that will constitutionally divide the nation forever. That's just my opinion. There's the other issue. There's the faith issue. It will also give credibility to an anti-Christian belief system based on dream time, where ancestral spirits created the world. Some of them, they believe, are animal spirits, others huge snakes, but some of these disappeared into rock crevices or into water holes or into trees. Others believe in shape changers and the rainbow serpent. That will become an ideology which is dispersed throughout the land with a great um, gusto, I think, if this goes through. Most of you probably know that the contemporary uh, Aboriginal welcome to country, which we see at most public events, even on Qantas planes when we go from sunny coast down to Brisbane, created just 40 years ago by Ernie Dingo. What we regard as Aboriginal art today Dot painting, invented only 50 years ago by Geoffrey Borden. But it's now a huge industry. We are at an incredible juncture in human history, an inflection point, if you will, which is ushering a new era of untruth, distorted truth, and subjective truth, all designed to eradicate God from society by Satan. Remember, um, Pastor Josh mentioned him this morning, the ruler of this world, or the prince of the air. So whose voice are you listening to? Thanks, Tina. We'll get rid of that one. I, I wasn't lynched at least yet, so let's get back to Jesus. There is only one voice who is the truth. We must be people who discern the voice of the Lord. People who are determined to block off all other voices. We need to be careful where we get our news from. Use your Holy Spirit discernment. Holy Spirit lives within uh, the body of a believer. We are fighting a battle on all fronts at the moment. I can't remember a time in my 58 years where there haven't been more fiery darts uh, in the air at the same time coming against the people of God. In 1 John 4, uh, 1 to 6, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. 
Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. It's pretty clear, John. As you see persecution coming our way, fear not. The Lord is with us. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his sheep by name, and he leads them out. You've got a ticket out of here. <laughs> it's wonderful. Let me ask you, do you know the voice of the Savior? Has he called you by name? Is he leading you? Perhaps tonight the Good Shepherd is calling your name. Perhaps tonight you need to shut off the other voices and listen to only his. Reparation is not the way. Forgiveness is the Christian way. To turn the other cheek. Pastor Josh spoke this morning about um, the Lord's Prayer. And if we uh, forgive others their debt, then God will forgive us our debt. It reminded me of that parable of the, um, the unforgiving servant uh, who went to the king because he owed an enormous debt. And he fell on his knees and he begged the king to have mercy upon him. And the king forgave him. Moreover, he canceled the debt. Hallelujah. Jesus doesn't just forgive us our sin. He cancels the debt. We owe it no more. And of course, you remember the story that uh, unforgiving servant then went out skipping. Hey, no longer a debt over my head. I won't be thrown in prison. And he met one of his servants coming who owed him a very small amount. And he took a hold of him, throttled him, uh, and told him that if he didn't pay, he'd be thrown in prison. And that servant says, I can't pay. Give me more time. And that unforgiving servant threw him in jail. When the news got back to the king, he brought the unforgiving servant, his servants, to him. Um, and threw him in prison. A place of darkness, a place of gnashing of teeth. There is only two choices. There is no neutrality. It's heaven or hell. It's the word of God or the word of man. Watch where we get our news from. Be in the word. Be watching as a watcher on the tower. Look for the enemy coming. Pray. Pray at all times against the work of the enemy. We see it everywhere around us. It's so prevalent. And it's such a great attack. Sometimes we, we don't pray. We think it's too much. We're just, we're just, the only thing we pray for is a rapture. It just has to be beamed up. But actually, it's not what God would have us to do. Brothers and sisters, we are called uh, to hold a sword of the Spirit uh, and to fight against the enemy on every front. And he is on every front at the moment. So continue to pray. We rejoice with New South Wales pushing back the misinformation bill. We rejoice in South Australia that prayer is back in Parliament. And we need to pray for our education system, which is being uh, sexualized like we couldn't possibly imagine we need to pray for our politicians the fear of the Lord comes upon them and they turn around in so many of their policies which are evil it's a bipartisan thing it doesn't matter who's in power there's a prominent uh, American politician recently said that this is, this is not a left or right thing anymore it's a good and evil thing from a politician 
Guys, would you mind coming back up? I'm just going to pray. Lord, give us a fresh insight into the things of the kingdom, we pray. Give us fresh eyes to see what you are doing. Cause us, O Lord, to be moved to prayer, to come against the works of darkness. Help us to do all we can to be ready in season and out of season to preach the good news. Lord, give us a fresh hunger for your word, for therein is eternal life. And Lord, may we grow up to the full measure of Christ Jesus. May we be the salt and the light in this dark nation. May we not shrink back in the fight. May we prepare to speak the truth tempered with your love, but to call out untruth, to call out subjective truth, to call out misinformation and disinformation and say you're on the wrong foundation. I know whom I believe and I am persuaded that he is able. We call upon you tonight, Father God, to touch your people. Holy Spirit, move in our hearts like never before we pray. We need you. Strengthen our feeble hands, we ask. Help us to be discerning. Lord, may we be mindful where we get our information from and our news from. Let us see in the spiritual realm. Give us your eyes, O oh God. Give us the eyes of an eagle, we pray. And give us a tenacity and a fortitude and a strength in these days to come against the work of the enemy. To see your kingdom come in us and through us to touch this world. We pray for the children in this town. Lord, that you would rescue them. Rescue them, O oh God. We pray that prayer will come back into our schools, that your word will be resounding in the corridors of schools. In Jesus' name, we pray for teachers to come to faith in Christ. We pray for principals to stand up against the elitist authority and say, I am no longer going to teach that. I refuse to teach that curriculum because it's not of God. It has no truth. It leads not to a purpose that it should lead to. Our identity is in you, Lord Jesus, and our purpose is in you. We bless your wonderful name. Receive our worship now as we, as we come towards the end of our time here. Let's stand together. We sing.